And now it's time for East Coast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, 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 now. Hello and welcome back to Eastcast here on Resonance 104.4 FM and DAB. Eastcast is a monthly delve into the arts, the culture and the community bubbling up in East London, but resonating way beyond this little corner of the planet. So wherever you're listening, good to have you with us. I'm Pearl Wise and I'm here with Katie Haler. Hello. And Johnny Virgo. Hi, it's good to be back with you. Welcome back, Johnny. And today the studio is absolutely jam-packed with performers from the Big House Theatre ahead of um, their next week's launch of Brixton Rock. And we also have members of City Impro giving us a taste of what to expect at their Shoreditch Improv Festival. And later on I'll be talking to a chef about natural wine and fighting boredom. And uh, Georgia Whittaker-Hughes is, well, she's not here, she's outside, she's nearly here, uh, to tell us about the upcoming Migrant Connections Festival. And I've been exploring the significance of the New Cross fire on race relations in the country since the 1980s up until the present day. But first, did you know that Resonance FM fundraiser starts on Sunday, the 11th of February? Resonance is a small non-profit radio uh, community station powered by us, volunteers, yay! And of course, woohoo, yay, yay, yay! Um, and we don't run ads. So to keep this incredible station going, uh, we need your help. One thing you can do is donate. It could not be easier. There's a button on the fundraiser website, resonancefm.com forward slash donate, and I will twink the li- twink, I will tweet... <laughs> the link out now so you have it at your fingertips go ahead and donate uh, whatever you can uh, to help us out so if you can spare it we'd really appreciate it and a regular donation would be even better there is also a dedicated fundraiser page fundraiser.resonance.fm and I'll be telling you a bit about the other ways you can get involved later on more than a bit I think you will be peppering the show with interesting things that you can buy and events that you can go to all in the name of fundraising for resonance so thank you katie but first let's welcome many of the cast from the big house theater hello all of you hello Wow. So, yeah, we have uh, six people. Do you want to kind of go around and introduce yourselves very quickly? Because I don't remember who's who. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Aaron Russell Andrews. Um, I'm playing Floyd in Brixton Rock. Hi, I'm Sandra Nakagaga. I'll be playing Carol in Brixton Rock. Hello, I'm Shona Woodburn-Hall. I'll be playing Sharon in Brixton Rock. Hi, I'm Cookie and I'll be playing Cynthia in Brixton Rock. Hi, I'm Marcus Coombs and I'm playing Brenton in Brixton Rock. Hi, my name is Simeon Vanterpool. I'm also playing two characters, 
not only am I playing John Nelson, I'm also playing Finley. Wow. So who's going to tell me a little bit about Brixton Rock? What is Brixton Rock? Brixton Rock is a play based in the 80s in Brixton about a young boy called Brenton who is go who goes through the care system and um then meets his mother after 16 years shows up to his front door shows up to her front doorstep reconnects with his mother and finds out he has a half sister but i don't want to spoil the rest (laughs) (laughs) so so, um this play is based on a book by um, alex Alex Wheatle, who actually won the uh children's uh guardian book prize last year i believe um and he also went through the care system which is really important um for you guys because um the big house is uh really about people who've gone through the care system and who've got some sort of connection with that do you want to explain what uh the big house theater is and what you do okay um well the big house theater um we're a theater company we put on productions we, we say two productions a year um, called the Open House Project, which um, we will have um, loads of kids um, leaving that leaving care will come and join us and get involved in some drama workshops and see if they like the drama in f- first step. Then um, they enroll to this Open House Project, and then the Open House Project is a twelve-week 12 project. Week project. Um, it's the first two weeks is like getting to know each other and like um, group bonding exercises and stuff and then we get into rehearsals the grit of it um for four weeks and then we have a six-week run so um how many people in the play have never done theater before um there's like 15 yeah there's 15 cast members and so there's maybe i say 10 of the cast members haven't done acting before Right. Yeah. So you're you you kind of have the core of you guys who who've been in plays previously, and then you invite new members to kind of l- go through the workshop process, and you, then they, yeah. they they come on the play. Yeah, but um, the big roles are normally open to the people that have never acted before. Oh, okay. Because it's it's all fun and games, and um, getting someone that's acted before mm. to to do it. But it's um it's all about it's all about the the new people on the course and um inviting them and making them feel welcome and letting them come out of their shell. Um, Big House uh, creates opportunities for, you know, young people who fell through the cracks, who's coming from the care system or prison. um, And Big House gives them the opportunity, a platform for them to perform and other opportunities they wouldn't get or have the qualifications that they would need to go uni and... Also, the support. The support is the main thing. And it's not just theatre, is it? You do other stuff. So tell us a little bit about the other kind of activities that you do. So um, um, at the beginning of the course, we do a lot of stuff on, like, employability and things like that, helping us, like, sort out our CVs and just general life skills. We do, like, a money um, workshop to teach you how to, like, you know... um, Manage your money. Manage your money. <laughs> 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 to manage your money for a lot of the people who are on, in the process of getting their new, um, getting their own place and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have like uh, some like yoga sessions yeah, yoga and things like that. Just but, general mm-hmm. life skills mm-hmm. and things like that that mm-hmm. can just help you move on in life. So that's like really helpful. Also, they d- they do help with accommodation as well. 
Right, so they're really providing a support network, yeah. and as and I think, you know, just um, just as far as the theatre side goes, I mean that just being able to get up on stage and you know having never acted before and suddenly you're doing this you know you're you're performing in a play in front of an audience that must be like getting over a lot of fear and and really great for your kind of general skills yeah, um, to navigate yeah. through life because um, a lot of skills that you pick up in the theater is transferable to life mm-hmm. um and it's, it's all about your professional ability i mean your professional ability um about timekeeping about like mm, like just how you yeah. how you mm-hmm. present, yourself. present yourself yeah yeah. Your, your your health yeah. like everything is just it's also it's also um really good for confidence building because like you say some people come in and they have not like acted or been in front of a large stage as um big households or large audiences as, as big households and um big house makes it a comfortable place for you to actually um, try out this new acting thing that you may have thought about and didn't quite put into into place. Um, it's very it's very comfortable. Even that like, is quite professional, but everyone is very laid back and um, they're very like nurturing to for you to actually get to the confidence place. It's not a place where you'd feel so intimidated, to be honest. Yeah, yeah and I have to say, I've, I've seen some of your productions and the standard and quality is super high. And to get yes. to that level so quickly with completely inexperienced yeah. people is incredibly impressive. Yeah, they do put in a lot of time. Um, yeah, but also, like, they do employ, like, um, like the director that's working on this play. He's, he's, um, he's won award. We won, we won an award last year. Yeah. Um, his name is Ned Bennett, and he's done lots of stuff with the National Theatre. Uh, he's trained at the Royal Court. So, you know, they perfect the professionalism and the elitism's there. So, the standards very very high. Yeah. yeah. So, um, after this, I mean, have any of you? Um, is is this a career that you 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 want to move into? Is is yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Big House definitely make that something that it is able to do because a lot of people join and think this is just what they're going to do the course and then that's it. They're done, you know. It's just something to keep them off, you know, whatever they were doing before. But, you know, the Big House definitely push you to pursue dreams. And if you've got a real talent, they will definitely show you that and you'll be able to, you know, you'll have the confidence to push forward to it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think one other good thing about Big House is a place where um, say you've, you've said you wanted to acting or you wanted to get into whatever you wanted to get into they actually show you a feasible way that this can happen whether as it's not like oh just try your luck and good luck with it that actually well you could do this you could do this you could do that and even if you don't want to get into acting or performing arts they will support you in whatever place you want to to um to, to, to further your life and such even if you wanted to go to university as well yeah like our director maggie norris um the director of big house um she always says that um big house is what you make of it make mm-hmm. it so mm-hmm. if you come to us and you say oh um i just want i want to start up a, a casting director direct um agency okay she was she would lay out a plan of how some people would do it and how what what could work for you and the right connects to go through it. We mm. do a mentoring program where at the end of, like coming to the end of each open house project, we, um, every member of the cast gets assigned a mentor, which um, basically just, they help you do what you want to do. Um, 
And it sounds like you also make some great friends for life. So we're just going to wind up, but I, who's going to give me all the details for Brixton Rock? Where can we see it? How long is it playing for? How much does it cost? Um, the production starts on the oh, 15th of right. March. 15th of February. February. Yeah. <laughs> so it finishes to the, to the 12th of March. It will be at Mangle Nightclub, 2 to 18 Warbur- Warburton Road, London E83FN. The nearest overground is Hackney Central. The rail station is London Fields. The place is also known as the laundry sometimes. Uh, it's going to be, so Mango is the restaurant. It's going to yeah. be downstairs in the laundry. I think it's more known as the laundry. Okay. Yeah. And, and ticket prices more or less? £15. £15 pounds and definitely worth it. Definitely, definitely. definitely <laughs> worth it. Yeah, so... You don't know what you're missing. And if, <laughs> if you love Lovers Rock, it's definitely the one to come yeah. on. Okay, yeah. good to know. Um, so thank you so much for coming in and telling us about that. You're actually going to stay here because we need your talents um, for <laughs> yeah. some sound effects. Cool. So stay there um now we have a uh, city impro who are here also uh sharing one mic and standing <laughs> squashed into the studio hi we're, guys we're used Hello. To it. <laughs> um so we have kate and kate and svarta who are who, who are here to uh, tell us about what city impro uh city impro is so um what what do you do what what is it um so we are an improvised comedy troupe um, and at the moment, we are putting on the Shoreditch Improv Festival. That's happening at the Waterpert Pub, which is on Folgate Street. Um, and it's happening over three days. We've got 30 different improv comedy groups. We've got sketch comedy. Um, we've got a group that do a whole mu- improvised musical. We've got a rock documentary improvised comedy show. Um, and we're putting it on on the 17th, 18th and 19th of February. There's also a balderdash tour, a made-up uh, walking tour of Shoreditch Graffiti that meets outside Shoreditch uh, High Street Station. Uh, that's on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday in the afternoon, we have a beginner's impro workshop uh, with an amazingly talented uh, improviser teacher. Who, her name is uh, Naomi Peterson. Uh, so it's a two-hour workshop, and you get to learn sort of the basics of comedy impro in a very safe space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so, really supportive. I mean, we've heard, you know, what theatre can do. Um, so why why... I think there's something really interesting about learning improv just for kind of life skills as well. Do you want to, um, you, you, uh, how, how did you guys get into it and how has it helped you in kind of just general life dealing with improvised situations, you know? So um, we're, we're city impro and we got our name from the fact that most of us either are or have been city workers who are famously you know, besuited and dry and, you know, dull, dull like <laughs> Svava here. Okay, I'm wearing a suit right now. <laughs> Where's your time um, so, like, to do something a bit more fun and, and interesting in our spare time, um, improv is what all of us stumbled onto. Um, so, like, not only is it a really nice way to do something that's completely different from your day job and something a bit maybe wild, a bit unusual... Um, it also does come in really handy for when you have to make things up on the spot, like when you're on the radio and you have to be able to do talking on that. Um, I, mean, I, I do consulting, so I have to make stuff up on the spot all the all time. The time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, I work uh, in advertising, so it really comes in handy. 
Yeah, but also, I mean, like the cast of Bricks and Rock mentioned, it's a huge confidence boost uh, mm-hmm. in, in public speaking and just generally, um, I, f- I think of improv as being the ultimate teamwork. And so it's just great in all kinds of job-related settings when you have to work with people and accept ideas and say, okay, yes, yeah, so you know, we can... You know, rather than saying, oh, I don't think that's a good idea, you can sort of say, yes, okay, that's a good idea. I I hear what you're saying. Let's see what we can do with it. And also to deal with disasters so that you may be in a scene and your um, teammate or player just throws you a complete curveball and you have to figure out how to get around it and make it work. And then suddenly you've got another two teammates who are on stage with you making it happen. And that's the best way of of getting some awesome laughs um, and sometimes even a few tears. Oh, mostly laughs. Mostly laughs. Mostly laughs. So the the key rule of improv, the one thing, if if anyone wants to take anything away from improv, you guys, like I see you taking the notes. It's good. It's good work. Um, The key rule of improv is yes and. That is the one thing that you have to remember the whole time. So you take that idea, like Svava says, and you say yes to it, and then you add to it, and. You know, th- take that away with you guys. <laughs> I think so, they can teach us more than yeah, we can teach anyone else. We're so we're going to try this yes and theory out mm-hmm. right yeah. now. What, what are we? What are we? What are we about to do here? So we're going to do a couple of games. Uh, the first one, uh, we'll just do the three of us, and that's called uh, New Choice. And then we're going to do one uh, about sound effects, and we'll get the the Brixton Rock cast involved in that. Uh, so uh, the first game is a new choice. So we're gonna, just going to start a scene. So Kate and Kate are going to start a scene. And then uh, every now and then I will shout out the word new choice. And they have to change what they just said and do something different. And then act as if that had been their original intention all along. So uh, from actually the big now cast, because we don't have an audience in the studio other than you guys. So we'll need a suggestion of um, a quest or something that you could go look for. Keys. Key, okay. Uh, so what's they're looking for some keys. Epic quest or just an everyday quest? Uh, uh, that is immediate, an epic immediate, quest immediate, in my house. Yeah, <laughs> so let's, let's, Every day. Let's take the suggestion of keys. But what, they're special keys. They're not just like your house or car keys. They're, they're, they unlock something really magical. What is that? A treasure chest. They're the keys to a treasure chest. Excellent. Uh, so uh, Kate and Kate are going to look for some keys to a treasure chest. A new choice. Take it away. I really wish mm-hmm. that the wizard had just hung them up. On yeah. the side of the door. Yeah, on the little hook that says, here hang keys. That would have been New helpful. Choice. On the little hook that says, here hang your dreams. New choice. On the little hook that would have said, here hang all the articles that you ever want to read to get all knowledge. It's not Google, it's better than Google. And you can absur- you know, immerse yourself in it and then you'll be wiser than me, the wizard, and then you will take over the world. <laughs> New choice. The little hook that says, here's Nutella for life. Mm. Yeah, it's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, but he, he hasn't. He hasn't. No, now we've lost no. the keys. We've got to find the keys. We've got to find the keys to get to the treasure chest to okay. unleash the treasure, and then we'll be rich, and then we can eat Nutella. So the thing that you do when you lose something is you backtrack, right? New so, choice. so the thing that you do when you lose something is panic. New choice. The thing that you do when you lose something is check your pockets. New and then the thing that you do when you lose something is you speak to the dog first because yep. he's in all likely swallowed yep. them or you know chewed them. Yep. So we should probably go find him first, okay. and then Toby, Toby. Barry, Barry. Rover, Rover. Marmaduke, Marmaduke. Valerie, Valerie. Bow Wow, Bow Wow. We weren't very imaginative. Bow Wow, Bow Wow. No, he's gone. He's, oh. gone. he's gone. He's gone off chasing rabbits. All right. Well, better put your wellies on then. We better New get choice. out. You better put your Doc Martins on then. We better get out there. New choice. You better put your flip flops on. It's a lovely day. No, oh, it's go toasty. find Bow Wow. <laughs> Okay, I, to be honest, I don't think Bow Wow would have eaten the keys. He's not a big fan of metal. Okay. Um, 
Well then, uh, we could just w- wait for the wizard to get home. New choice. We could just go and get a cup of coffee. New choice. We could just go for a pint. New choice. <laughs> we could go for a few vodkas. New choice. <laughs> we could go and just have a nice walk. Yes, and you know what? We could walk to the wizard's cave and check everything in the cave. Yeah, all right. Okay, cool. Great. Sounds like a good one. And see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, um, so the next game is something we call sound effects. Um, Svava and Kate are going to do um, a scene and they're going to speak about what they're going to do. However, we need some assistance with sound effects, guys. Um, so we're just going to see how amazing you are. And I think you are pretty amazing. Um, but things like opening doors or um, jangling things, you cannot use any props, though. It has to be you. Amazing. I think like um, pitch perfect, you know, like. How good are these mics? <laughs> <laughs> New choice? Okay, so um, to start this off, um, could I get um, ooh, uh, a non-geographical location for this scene? So like not a country, not a yeah. town, but Narnia. like a place. Narnia. Sweet. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, you guys are in Narnia. It's so cold. Yes. That wind is so chilly. It's so windy. Look, yeah, I, I have, I have some stuff in my in my rucksack Ooh. here. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take a, take out my coat. Oh, it's getting stronger. Oh, get, give me that. Put on the, zip it up. Zip. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, it's better. Okay, well, I'm, well, I gave you my jacket. I'm gonna. The wind as well. Oh my. Oh no, there it is. Yeah, it, it, temporarily. Look, I'm just gonna put on these plastic trousers. They, they're a bit tight. Spots. They're very. They're a bit. Yeah. Oh, oh god. Oh, the squelching. I ca- oh no. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they hug the figure quite a lot. They ju- I've never seen so much of you. <laughs> <laughs> you well, look, you look, you look warmer though. I do look warmer. I do feel warmer as well. Mm. They, they're like a second skin. Mm. Look. Okay. But when you walk, they, they sound so. Oh my um, god! Why is? That- Oh, uh, that's oh, the bear. The, the, the bear has come out. Oh, okay, nice okay. bear. Nice bear. Nice okay, bear. look here. I, I have some stuff to lure the bear away. Okay, that's a big bit of ham. Yeah. Oh, it's, he likes. I'm, the ham. I'm, gonna, I'm slicing the ham. Slice that. Yeah. There we go. Slice that ham. That Not too thinly. Don't yeah. be stingy. I, the bear can have all the ham. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. There oh, we go. Eating it, yeah. He's, yeah, he's happy. Look at this. Look at this. Oh! I, I think there was a happy growl. Was it, I think it was a happy... Well, it just growled that's and then just, went silent. Let's just very slowly back away through the snow. That's it. Okay. Just back away. Don't turn your back on him. Nope. Nope. He's just still chewing. He's happy. And now I think he's falling asleep. Oh, the sound of a sleeping bear. And scene. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very good. That was brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, City and Pro. So, tell us one more time: festival dates, place. How do we, how do we uh, get tickets? Yeah, so uh, Friday through Sunday, seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth of February at the Water Poet uh, in in Shoreditch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just, if you want, go on uh, and search for Shoreditch Improv Festival in your chosen medium of search. Then uh, you should find <laughs> us. Um, tickets yeah. are available on our website, cityimpro.com, or through Design My Night. So yeah, go buy them. They're, also, we're all over social media, and so like follow us on Twitter at City Impro on Give Facebook, us a like City Impro, or a swipe right. You yes, know. <laughs> that kind of thing. 
Thanks so much for Thank coming you. on the show. Thanks for having us. Now then, uh, starting next week is a plethora of awesome events for Resonance's fundraiser that you can get involved with. Um, if you remember in December, we had the wonderful A.D. Johnson on the show um, and he will he's joining a fantastic lineup for the Tin Can Review live on the 17th of February at Aces and Eights in Tufnell Park. And if you like a sound a bit more experimental... The sound art collective behind Resonance's Sonic Arts, Sonic Darts fixture, um, are putting on a night guaranteed to amaze. It's this Saturday at the same venue, Aces and Eights, and it's all in the name of keeping Resonance ad free. We are tweeting out the links now, so get on Twitter, book your tickets, and then sit back and enjoy the rest of the show, safe in the knowledge that you've done an excellent thing. Okay, so on a different level. I'm going to speak uh, a few years ago. I, I started making a series of black history documentaries for a mysterious gent I met on the Internet. I got to meet some people who had been at the coalface of race relations and learned about unknown heroes and got to meet some people who I put on a pedestal in my youth. And around this time of year, I'm always reminded of a particular event which I had heard about growing up that marked a turning point in race relations in the UK. On the 18th of January 1981, there was a, a tragedy, a fire that ripped through a house in, on New Cross Road in southeast London, killing many of the young black revellers who were partying there. They thought it was a, um, an arson attack, and there's still controversy about the fire, but this piece here goes on to explain a bit about that night. Nothing said, fourteen dead, and nothing said, fourteen dead, and nothing said. Eighteenth January, Sunday morning, nineteen eighty-one. Fourteen young people died in a fire while they were having fun. The community was really stunned at the public's non-reaction. In the wake of the tragedy, they organized action. Wayne so back Hanks. in 1977, coming all the way through the 70s, the government were allowing the National Front to march through this predominantly black area, which obviously is going to cause racial tension. So when the fire happened, it was quite easy for everybody to jump on it and say, oh, it must have been a racist. I grew up in a community, in a country that I thought we, we were intelligent and we had freedom of speech. But people listen to what they want to listen to. They hear what they want to hear. Professor Gus respect John. to the survivors, respect to Nubian Jack for making this occasion possible and ensuring that this plaque... Rest is a memory to those who perished, as well as to the political struggle that ensued to ensure that justice was done and they did not die in vain. I don't have much to say, except that I was one of the people, a member of the New Cross Massacre Action Committee, that organized the political struggle that ensued after the massacre here and organized the New Cross Massacre Action Committee and the Black People's Day of Action on the 2nd of March, 1981. My name is Jawigi from New Cross. Mm -hmm. 
I asked a man who been around from when this thing had gone. I was outside here watching what happened. And all over the years, what happened with the, with the justice for the people, it wasn't right. We had, to, we had to march. We do a lot of marching. We got to the Moonshot Club down there. was at the New Cross Town Hall back in 1981. Then they had a big march and nothing was done. Let's move to prayer. We're all one family and we're all hurting. Yes. And I see this as part of the healing process. Yes. Okay? Now let us assume the sign of Umoja unity. Umoja is a Swahili word which means unity. And can we all close our eyes as we stand where we are? Tenai Mwari! Tenai Mwari! Tenai Mwari! My name is Brother Leader Bandaka, spiritual leader of the Al Kebulan Revivalist Movement. We are a liberation movement based on an African centered spiritual cultural philosophy called Al Kebulan Liberty, which means living according to the divine teachings and traditions of our mother culture. We are affirming the humanness of these young people that was denied at the time in the manner in which the state and the authorities responded or failed to respond as the case may be to the tragedy that took place. You had a sense, a deep sense that the pain, people were still feeling the pain of this tragedy, the, the, the trauma that affected the African community 30 years ago, that it was still alive in the hearts and souls of our people. There's a great deal that we can do, you know, in our homes. We need to tell the story of what happened on this day. Fourteen dead and nothing said. The authorities questioned one young girl. She was just 11 years old. She lost her brother in the fire, but their inquisition was cold. They even tried to change the story. Inferring there was a fight Will the truth ever be known Of that terrible night? I'm Barry Carter I'm a local minister at Broccoli mm -hmm. Many of the young people Who were attending the party Of Yvonne And several of those who died Were regular members at a youth club That I ran just um, Half a mile down the road That Monday I went to seven different houses One after the other visiting families who had lost a child in the fire. And I suppose that's what it always means to me because that changed my whole view of ministry. I kind of, I was only a young man in those days and I kind of grew up very quickly. It's about acknowledging these places where this tragedy happened. It's still very real in the lives of many of the people as you've seen that already today. And to have as many ways of being able to express that grief and that memory is important and the house obviously is one of the most important focal points of what happened. Gus John. Um, so okay, the event happened down the way here in, 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 in New Cross Road in London, but it it radiated to black just about every black community in the in the country because uh, 
it really was a metaphor for all the stuff that we have be, had been suffering and struggling against for decades before that. Racist murders, um, uh, unlawful policing, police abuse of powers. In 1972, I wrote a book with a colleague who was a, a reporter on the Sunday Times, which we called Police Power and Black People. Um, and there we described graphically having sat in magistrates' courts, gone to police stations, um, gone to prisons to visit people. We described how the police abused their powers. Um, so by the time that event happened in 1981, the community had had years of struggling against not only the National Front, the British National Party, Column 88, all of these neo-fascist organizations, but against the state and its institutions that were treating us in the most racist of ways. So, plus the fact, of course, that this was the most shocking, uh, the most serious event that had taken place in the history of the black population in Britain ever. 13 young people, most of them below the age of, of, of 20, dying in one incident, another one dying... Um, a couple of years later, well, months later, um, as a result of mental illness and, and the trauma he suffered on that night. Mm -hmm. These were children born in this country, one of them celebrating her 16th birthday, um, full of hope and, and, and aspiration and energy, being cut off in, the, in their prime like that, um, so that anybody who was human, man and particularly mothers, anywhere in the country, really had to, to engage with that. I mean, the news must have impacted upon people. You felt a sense of common grief with all those who had lost loved ones. The 18th of January, 1981, I was at my club at the Forces in Dawson Junction, and I heard that my son were playing ear a sound system. So hearing it on the radio, I drove the van that I should that should brought him ear a sound system here, straight here. And when I came here, what I see. I can, I can assure you, I, I used to do something about it. So I plant, I went away and I get 13 trees and plant them at the front of the house. And every one of the family, them plant one of the trees there. You can remember that, every one of the family. And the world press... The royal press, everybody here, the, tree, the families employ them trees. But at the council, not at the council, Lewisham Council, dig them up. And I've been asking them ever since from 1981 to replant my trees, them at least at the, at, at the park at the back here, Freedom Park. And they keep refusing, refusing, refusing. I beg the MP, I beg the mayor. And they see how I fight in the inquest because I represent my son. Wayne Haynes. We're not happy. 
We have no answers. We don't know why the kid, why our kids died. We don't know why people are injured. We don't know. Do you know something? Forget all of that. I've got people. I've got two people right here, right now, in this crowd, who mentally they cannot live. They still live in 1981. We are now in 2011. 30 years later, they're not living. Their lives have stagnated. I've got friends that they do night jobs because they don't sleep at night 30 years later. Yeah, what? Regardless of what anybody wants to think or say, the, rally, the reality is there for everyone to see. The people that were in this tragedy got nothing from this tragedy. The country got everything. Nobody wanted to listen to me because I was a 17-year-old black kid who didn't have no sense as far as they were concerned. Now, I'm a 47-year-old black man and I'm here and I want something for my people. The 14 dead, the 56 injured, their lives have to mean something. We're fighting. This ain't going away. You can't bring back 14 lives. You can't alter 30 years of 56 people's lives. But the best thing that I think we can hope for is some kind of foundation, some kind of trust where we can make other people's lives better out of the new crossfire tragedy. Maybe some kind of foundation, some kind of trust, whatever. But we need something where we, at the new crossfire, can sit back and say, at least it wasn't in vain. An enlightening experience for me talking to Wayne Haynes and big shouts to Nubian Jack for fighting to get the commemorative plaque on the building and shouts to Professor Gus John, Brother Ben Dacker and the rest too. I know they're all about getting important messages like this out to the community and you know what? That's the importance of a station like Resonance. So people, I implore you, I urge you, please, please, please get involved with the funding drive. Resonance also has an online auction. Among the many fantastic things up for grabs is quite a swanky cocktail masterclass uh, for you and three friends at The Alchemist. Uh, apparently it costs 160 quid normally. So bidding opens tomorrow for that. Uh, head on over to the fundraiser page for more details. I'll tweet it out now. Uh, there are so many more things up for grabs. And who doesn't need a cocktail masterclass? That is... That is my question. Um, there's English National Opera stuff, Ghanaian food, uh, events, music nights, so much more. So head on over to fundraiser.resonance.fm. So, um, yeah, we're going to change change the tone again, uh, as is classic East Cast style. Um, After I brought in the serious stuff. Yeah, well... <laughs> It feels strange because the the studio was so crammed, and now it's now it's a little bit calmer. Um, and uh, without depressing everyone all too much with current politics, uh, you would literally have had to spend your head, you know, in the sand, and not to be aware of the turbulent and constantly changing political situation both here and across the pond. Um, and the situation is particularly uncertain for some of the most vulnerable people in society, um, some of those being migrants and refugees. So with us in the studio this evening is someone who's going to be facilitating a three-day weekend of workshops, film screenings and a whole load more, bringing together migrants, refugees, activists, all under one roof in Bethnal Green. Georgia Whitaker hughes is here in the studio. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening. Good Thank evening. you for coming along. Um, so first of all, 
let's be honest, it's no mean feat to organise a three-day festival. Um, tell us why you're doing it. Why is it important? <laughs> well, like you said, we don't want to go into the depressing stuff too much. Not, not too <laughs> much, no. Uh, but this is really, I mean... This was just a group of... We're not an official official organisation. It's just me and a group of friends, really. And I think, I mean, I personally, we were all pretty shocked after Brexit. We were shocked by the increase of hate crime across across the country. And we just felt like, you know, people talk about migration. It's, it's everywhere. It's in the newspapers and it's always negative. And even sometimes the people who want to do something positive about it think of it as this, like emergency get them food get them water get them this get them that Mm. but actually I I personally would think that the really important work is about genuinely integrating people into our communities you know doing things that aren't really serious that you don't (laughs) you know I don't I don't want to read the newspapers anymore but we want something that's positive we want something that's celebrating migration and so we decided in October to to put on a festival um, which was aimed at not just celebrating, but educating people a little bit about the asylum process, about about all sorts of things. Because you've got to remember as well, migration isn't, you know, when we talk about migrants, we're not just talking about refugees and asylum seekers. You know, migrate, migration is probably one of the key, most defining aspects of humanity's history. We are all migrants and migration has been happening since since humanity existed. So we just we just wanted like an easy space. We you know we've got talks, we've got workshops, but we've also got spoken word. We've got theatre, and um, we just wanted a safe space for people to come together and get to know each other. So who's going to be there? Who you know what kind of community groups? It's going to be in Bethnal Green, right? It is going to be in Bethnal Green, yes. So it's going to be a praxis, and we're going to have a, a mixture. We want this. We wanted this to be a migrant-led performance space. So we've got um, all sorts of people. We've got Ice and Fire, who are a human rights theatre group, and they work with uh, groups such as Freedom from Torture, such as Room to Heal, such as the Helen Bam Foundation, who are all, they work with refugees and asylum seekers. And they do theatre as a means of, of, of th- therapy, basically. Uh, so we've got people like them. We've also got people like Schools ABC, Let Us Learn, who are migrant communities who diaspora communities so people who were not born in the UK but you know very much have been here for most of their lives who for example let us learn do a lot of campaigning around university getting getting into university education rights for example um so it's we really we want it to be a mixed bag we want it to be one of the main priorities of the festival is that it's totally accessible so you know you don't have to necessarily speak english to en- to enjoy it you don't have to have gone to university or whatever it's it's supposed to be a very very open space um for for migrant communities primarily yes but also for for every every aspect of the community to to connect with each other hence the name migrants connections festival (laughs) and you say it's accessible does that also mean it's free it is free it is 100 percent free this is not this is not a a profit making exercise in the slightest it's quite the opposite uh, we do, however, have a crowdfunder um, because to make it accessible, we want, you know, obviously a lot of people can't necessarily afford to go across London to to go to things like this. So we want to have some money to to make sure that everyone can come if they want to come. Um, we've got to pay the venue, <laughs> various things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, the, the festival tickets are completely free. 
And what kind of outcomes are you hoping for? You've, I mean, you've mentioned some incredible organisations which could have quite long-term effects mm. on the people um, that go to this festival. Is mm. that what you're hoping for? Is it quite long-term? Yeah, we want this to be, we want this to be the beginning of a series of festivals. To be honest, but it's not just about the festivals. No, we want, we want people to connect with each other. With you know, particularly people going through the asylum process. Uh, it's it's a very alienating lonely experience for a lot of people and I think that being in a space where everyone is you know connected to each other and who everyone is going through a similar experience or just or just an ally is incredibly empowering and that's what we would hope and we hope that people who aren't necessarily migrants themselves would uh, get to know some of the issues that people are going through and we, we've got fun ways to do it we've got like I said right to remain are coming they're doing a snakes and ladders of the asylum system just just so that people can sort of educate themselves and and really engage with these issues so you've got a crowdfunder page we have you are still fundraising we are we have eight days left eight days (laughs) eight days left (laughs) so yeah yeah please pull your purses in (laughs) (laughs) um great well thank you very much thank you Um, and we are Sorry, we are on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us at Migrant Connect or at Migrants Connections Festival on Facebook. And I just wanted to jump in um, also uh, for people who who are interested in this kind of work and, and how you can, you know, not... I guess it's it's not just about kind of donating money and it's not just about um, sort of, uh, yeah, donating to charities and, and giving things to those people over there. It's really very much, from what I understood, uh, about, you know, how integrating people into the community. And, and there are organisations like uh, Refugee Week, which happens in June, but they've got a conference actually coming up um, on the 17th of February at the Amnesty International Building. Um, and they, um, I went last Last year and that that kind of they launched something called um, small acts um, so it was all about you know the, the very small things that you can do um, as part of a community to kind of welcome people and it might just be you know sharing a meal together or um, sharing a crash or you know babysitting or all sorts of things but just saying you know you you are part of our community it's not us and them um, we are you know we're, we're all living in this together yes yeah I mean we have so we have various organizations bringing stores so that people can volunteer if they want to we also have survivors speak out which is a branch of freedom from torture which is freedom from torture provides psychosocial help to refugees and asylum seekers and survivors speak out are people who've gone through this process and have come through the other end and they are all political activists so they're coming and they're doing a workshop for practical engagement with political issues so it's very much you know to get people on board to get people together and get people to organize so yeah (laughs) brilliant thank you so much for uh joining us and telling us about this and we'll just a last reminder for if people do want to donate what do they do where do they go our crowdfunding page just search migrants connections festival great thanks so much and in true east coast fashion we are going to completely change the tone and the subject again so um last month uh i met up with uh, chef Magnus Reed to talk uh, about simple food, natural wine and neighbourhood vibes and um, also about his latest restaurant venture, Legs in Hackney. 
We have, I'm just actually looking for some this, we've got fried prosciutto with baby turnips and ricotta, which we needed to cook off. We've got some copper, which is cured pork now. Pantarelle with egg, parmesan, and pumpkin seed. Pantarelle is like a type of chicory. The idea of keeping busy is important to me. I don't want to be that person who kind of closes a restaurant because it became a bit boring or, or didn't have something on the boil. That's just the kind of nature of the person I am. You get these people who go out to the pub and, and I'm kind of guilty of it, but like they'll just talk about what's happening in the food scene or they'll just talk about which chef's coming over or that kind of thing. And it just gets a bit boring when you do it every day and when you're kind of aware of it all the time and it's in your face all the time. I think it's nice to talk about something else to have another passion. Like I'll play in like a doom metal band as well and getting better instruments and all that kind of thing. The idea of an entrepreneur is being pushed at the moment and the idea that you, you don't have to work for the man. You can work for yourself or you can play with other people's money and all that kind of thing. It's definitely come up in our generation but I think there's few people who apply it properly and there's few people who have done it in the food industry because it's such a time consuming job you kind of have to set yourself up to be able to walk away from the project and restaurants are such a passion orientated thing that it's really hard to do that if you set yourself up to do just what you're good at and what your passion is oriented around you do have that spare time and you can have other interests and you can help other people in their restaurants or whatever. I've always wanted that to be important. I've always wanted to be able to have a day off. You don't start with, but you can kind of get there in the end. We've got some Kamai tomatoes, which are the winter varieties. They kind of taste like parmesan, if that makes sense. It tastes... At first it's like a bit like cheesy and parmesan. And then it's got like loads of acid. A bit of sweetness. Mm. They're going with grapefruit and mint. We're at Legs Restaurant. My name is Magnus Reed. Working behind me is Chef Luke. Uh, we're in Hackney on Morning Lane. Grand Fresh and Trout Road, which is kind of a classic here. We've got some tagli- I find it really hard to describe. We don't really do anything consciously. It's, it's very close to, I guess, what would now be considered a, a large chunk of Australian eating which is like really fresh stuff just on a plate done simply. There's not too much process in our cooking. We don't want to like break everything down to purees or whatever unless we need to. If there's a way to kind of show off an ingredient without having to like turn it into something fancy, I think that's far more rewarding as a customer is to eat like a really good tomato. So I think what we do here is just really simple and straightforward. Just a sec, there's something really noisy and I'm just trying to work it out. Uh, yeah. What is that? Hey, sorbet. Something nice. It wasn't really a conscious decision how it happened, but I'd go to dinner, I'd try a restaurant that's nice, I'd have a try it or whatever, and I kind of started taking that side of it a bit more seriously, like eating out. Every young chef just goes midnight, you finish, and you go to the bar, and you get shit faced, and you're waking, and you're late for it, then I stay, and it just seems continuous. But then, I kind of started going to restaurants and making time because I opened a cafe, I wasn't working at night, so I like, had all this free time. Realised being at home is quite fun. And then kind of moved on and started going, oh, well, if I'm going to eat this nice food, I should drink nice booze. So I started going to a place that had nice booze, and I was like, actually, why would you ever go have a beer that's a like Stella 
when you could have a beer that's really nice? Or why would you have a, a shit wine when you can pay like four pounds extra and get like an epic one that makes you think? So kind of consciously decided not to put any shit in my body. And not in the way that like, I'll, I'll be the first person to stop in a fried chicken shop, but only things that you want to enjoy going into your body. In terms of experimenting and finding new things, I think that's really important. Because if you don't care what beer you're going to have, you're never going to have tried a sour beer or whatever. If you don't care what wine you have, you're probably just going to end up with a medium bodied red or a fruity white. And that's fucking boring. I would hate to go through life with only having one type of wine. And where the kind of tipping point for the natural wine thing was, is this kind of stuff crept into the market. I was enjoying these like crazy wines that didn't taste like wine, that were like fermenty flavors, a bit yeasty, like really sour or really sharp or really balmy or cheesy or something and I thought this is like this is like a whole nother flavour thing and it's a whole nother take on something traditional and I don't see why you wouldn't be into natural wine if you're really into food so when people come in there's a thing if they order something challenging or we try to just describe it the best we can and if they seem like they're the type of person who probably needs a heads up that it's going to be a bit weirder than usual we'll let them know So I have a cafe in Shoreditch as well, and then before that I opened a restaurant called the Rooftop Cafe, which wasn't a cafe, it was a restaurant in London Bridge. I've always thought that you want to create spaces that like someone would want their lounge room to look like. Not in like terms of like couches or whatever, but in terms of a set. So we've always created spaces that are like dining room versions of cool lounge rooms. We don't have that person who's the maitre d'. And one of the first people you see is the kitchen staff. We come in and we're right there. So also coming from Australian venues as well, everyone uses their local restaurant in Australia. Like everyone has a neighborhood restaurant around the corner that they'll go to regularly. They were like, you know, in baptisms, they will book out a big table at the local place because it's easy, they know what they're getting. It's always good quality and, and they'll, know the staff enough. I think London's mimicking it now in the coffee scene, where people go to their favourite cafe. Well, ideally you'd go to your local, but there, there hasn't ever been a local restaurant scene. There's been, you go to Turkish, and for them it's local, which is great, and they do it really well. If you go see the Turkish restaurants in down Greenlands, they're full of their community, and it's amazing. Like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, it's packed. And that's what, I guess, kind of like the cool, trendy, Caucasian, dominated crowd of London who have all effectively moved into these areas, they haven't figured that out yet. It's almost like, it's almost a shame. And I quite like the idea of like scrapping it all and doing something wrong or different or so we can open a farm that you can visit in upstate New York and have a little holiday. That opens up wine production to us, that opens up I mean, branded stuff in supermarkets if we do it right, and then kind of just broadens your horizon. It's interesting to hear that you're, it's almost like you're already thinking about, you know, the next step, but this isn't forever, and it's now, and it's working now, but... I've always been like that. I've got, like, a use-by date on every project, where I start to shut up about it. And I think I do, in a sense, and that's why I've got a business partner. Yeah, I think you have to keep progressing. Do you get bored quite quickly? Yeah, like within weeks. 
um, which is why we changed the menu so often, is because there'll be things that have been on for a while, but the rest I'll just get super, super bored. There's nothing more exciting than people progressing and people doing more. And I, I quite like the idea that like you could do something for 10 years and then you can change it because you've only got like, what, six or seven decades that you use. I think I'll always be revolving around food or whatever and always have a finger in a pie. I like the idea of opening a ceramic studio or, or do you mean, or doing some, something on land and, and it's all things that you could do while having a restaurant. reminder in case you're not on the ball some of you are going to throw stuff at the radio uh, or at me actually uh, it's Valentine's Day next Tuesday Ooh. so whether you hate this Hallmark holiday or you're actually planning a seductive date either way it's uh, a good excuse for some music and a boogie and guess what Resonance has the boogie for you uh, head over to Eclectic in Old Paradise Yard for a Valentine's Day special uh, No Frills Band, Bob Mabetta Smith and the Apathy Band uh, many many more are playing tickets are only a fiver uh, good news for those with tight belts it's certainly less than a bunch of red roses if we're being economical uh, I'm going to tweet out the link now so go and get your ticket so is this part of the Resonance fundraiser, Is this, uh, or is this something else? No, I, th- I think it is part of the Resonance fundraiser, yeah. Mm. I hear there's also an auction, and you can actually just donate. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, you could just take Pat lunch for a week rather than buying yeah. pret sandwiches. Hashtag Pat lunch for Resonance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that idea. And, you know, how much would you say? Probably about... 20 25 quid which you could donate to resonance and then you know keep us on the air yeah and ad free or you know forego a cup of coffee yeah and actually i think packed lunch is probably a lot better for your health so we're also helping you out here yeah definitely you know the good samaritans that we are so this has been east cast and it is time to say goodbye we've had a very fast roller coaster show with so many different angles and people and it's just mm-hmm. been like it's kind of I feel quite calm now it's been it's been rocky but now it's calm um yeah and tired um so uh east cast will be back soon on resonance 104.4 fm with more sounds and stories from east london and beyond um in the meantime you can find everything on eastcastshow.com uh we you can also find us on itunes um so to play us out is a track from our very own Johnny Virgo called Hey, hey thank you Johnny. Hey. Uh called Kids in the Rain. So thanks for listening. Happy February. And don't forget the Resonance fundraiser next Please. week. Auction starts tomorrow and you can join us again next month on Eastcast. Summer or winter, no agenda. Back in the day, kids in the rain. Do you remember when you were younger? Back in the day, kids in the rain. Summer or winter, no agenda. Back in the day, kids in the rain. My mother was crazy lady, but she loved me so dearly. Told me you could do what you want. That's why I got no fear. When I was six years old, she made me climb out my 
mask on don't ya Nearly got me and my cousin killed off by hypodermia Went to a school with no black faces The bloody racist Got names like burnt sausage and tree chunk on I was naked So one day I get this kid called Tristan in the fall From then on they didn't call me any names at all Got music from my bro Showed me how to chase the girls Worried enough never bust my ducks when I was eight years old But loving like no other cause he's got a heart of gold Save me from the popo when they came round to patrol Save me from the popo when they came round to patrol Save me from the popo when they came round to patrol Save me from the popo when they came round to patrol Save me from the popo cause he's got a heart of gold remember Let's see.